we <clears throat> ask this in the form of a question. If you ever heard a minister make the statement, you need to make a de- decision for Christ. I'm sure that if you watch any on TV, uh, Dr. Graham used to say that a lot at the end of his preaching. Make a decision for the Lord. But it may surprise you to know that this statement is foreign to the Scripture. Not only the statement itself, but the concept is not taught in the Bible at all. On the contrary, it is quite the opposite that is taught. There are several things that are inherently wrong with the statement, make a decision for Christ. Now, it sounds good. You know, we sang the little song, I have decided to follow Jesus. That's unscriptural as well. But we don't get excited about it because we know what most people least think they know about it. You know, first thing we want to look at is that Christ never asked you to make a decision for him because if you're lost, you have no ability to make a decision. That time comes when you make a decision, or ready to make a decision, it's because the Holy Spirit been working on you. And that's why we have church, that's why we have Sunday school, that's why we have visitation, That's why we send out papers or have radio programs, whatever we do, whatever our goal is, because no one can be saved until they hear the word of God. And then God makes that word active in their life. If you have your Bibles, our first scripture looked at at Luke Luke the 13th chapter Luke 13 now as we look at a couple of verses here in this chapter we we see that the uh, Lord speaks to us in a way that makes it clear. Luke 13, verse 3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So the first thing that we see here is that before you can be saved, God must grant you repentance. 
Now, not only here in verse 3, but we look at verse 5. Again, he says, I tell you nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So making a decision without being saved is just a fleshly thing that we do. We can apply that same concept to a marriage, to friendship, you know. Jesus is recorded saying, I tell you, but except ye repent. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. So you may repent in the head. You know, I don't want to upset this person or that person, so we sort of go into an acting stage. We will tell the people we love, hey, I was saved. I was at the revival meeting, so I went down the aisle, you know, and told the preacher that God had saved me. But if true repentance had not taken place, nothing took place. Just nothing at all. Because we see in John 5, 24, a scripture that I probably one of the most used scriptures for myself. I, I use that scripture often. But in John 5, 24, John said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believe on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now let's look at that scripture. He said, verily, verily. And that means of the truth, of the truth. John is saying, I'm telling you the truth. Listen, I'm telling you the truth. That's what verily, verily means. So he says, I say unto you, you is whoever's listening that is lost. He says, I say unto you, what it, he that heareth my word. What is so important about preaching and Sunday school and Bible lessons is that you won't do something that you don't know how. You can't do something unless you have the power. So God makes it clear in John five twenty four when he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever is listening, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believe the word. See, every one of you, unless you you know, or, or, or death, you can hear what I'm saying. You can follow me in the Word of God and you will see I'm reading from Scripture, which is what God says, not what any pastor says. 
So he says, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believe on him that sent me hath, hath. In my Bible, I underline the word hath. I've heard and I believe. What do I have because I heard and I believe? See, you can take John 5.24 and understand that verse. You can talk to any lost person you want to and you can't do better than remaining in that verse because God tells us. We all that are saved love that verse, but he's telling us how to help that person realize that in the flesh we can't make a decision, you know, that is like going up to a company that you work for. You go into the office of the head man and, you know, I've decided to become your partner. Man, I, you know, you say, that don't make any sense at, at all. Well, do you speak to God and say, today I, I've decided to be on your side? Now, humanly speaking, that's what we want people to do. But spiritually speaking, that is not reality unless God has granted you repentance and faith. Goes back to what we're doing right now, reading, teaching, or explaining the word of God. So he he tells us, he that heareth my word and believe on him that sent me hath right now. You know. So Somebody should say, you know, do you have $100? Can you give me $100? Not right now. I don't have $100 on me. I can't believe the word of God if I'm still spiritually dead. But when we hear and we believe that God sent Jesus, into the world to die for me then I can have everlasting life right now. See, you can walk in the building lost and walk out of the building saved. And the building didn't save you. I didn't save you. But the word of God did. Because when the word of God is preached, the spirit of God bear witness of that word and make you alive. Not human decisions, you know. There wouldn't be any divorces in this country if decisions was the same as love and gentleness. It's not. A decision is the work of the mind. You ever gone to a place to eat that serves a, a smorgasbord? You pay the money or, and you can pick anything on that smorgasbord. You can decide. See, you can make a decision then. So God tells us a decision is the work of a man. The Bible teaches that the mind of sinful man is corrupt and totally 
depraved. That's why that we train our children up, you know. They start out and they just say words, they say whatever they hear. I was in a home, but I don't know, probably six weeks ago and had a little four or five-year-old and I mean, uh, a little fellow cursed more than a sailor. Where did that child hear that from mom and dad? Grandpa, grandma, neighbors. They didn't know what they were saying, but I assumed that in their little mind that, hey, if mom and dad use that word, I guess it's all right. Well, when it comes to Christ, we're not trying to please mommy or daddy or our best friend or to be accepted. When we come to the point that we want to make a decision for Christ, you have got to be born again. See, a decision is the work of the mind. I could use an illustration that is clearly tells us, you know, we make a decision, this is the person I want to marry. We make a decision, this is what I want to do in life, you know. Any type of decision. But unless you know what that will lead to, it was not a wise decision. It wasn't a decision made with proper study, with proper, you know, can I do that? Is this what I want to do? So decisions is great. You go to a car lot, you decide which car you want. You go to a clothing store, you decide what clothes you want. But with Christ, with being saved, something has got to happen. And we call that the new birth. We call that being saved. But it's not a decision of the mind. It must start in the heart. That we're not talking about that heart that beats. That you know, we're talking about the inward being. Still in the book of John, when we look at John chapter three and verse nineteen, God said, "And this is the." condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. See, un- until we are born again, the decisions we make is all about will it gratify my flesh? Will I enjoy this? It's just something I like to do, but is all physical excitement. And that's all decisions are. You got a ability. But if you're lost, you can't make a decision for Christ until you hear the gospel, until the Spirit of God bears witness 
with the word and make you alive. That's why that we say salvation is of the Lord. It is of the Lord. The Bible also teaches us that we we are not saved by works. You know, we looked at verse 19 in, in John 3, and that's, now let's look at verse 20. For everyone that doth evil hateth the light, neither come to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. See, the flesh likes to do things. I may like to do something you don't. You may like to do something that I don't. But it's all, I like this, you know. I like to do this. And that's good. But you've got to understand that the flesh will make no spiritual decision. Because the decision for Christ is saying from this point on, Christ will be the leader. I will be his follower. But we don't see a lot of that. Because so many of those decisions was based upon a fleshly desire. The Bible also teaches us that we are saved, we are not saved by the works of righteousness. You know, we we hear that, you know, I'm sure, or I hope at least, you know, when I die, you know, and people said, oh, you no doubt, Brother Vance, he was saved because he did this and he did that and he was here and he was there. And, you know, I hope nobody's got a lie at my funeral. So it means that if I want you to say good things, then I must live out good things. But there is no good in this body. This body is depraved. You know, I have a little health problem, you know, and the doctor says, you know, you got to watch out for what you eat. Well, you know, I listen to that every once in a while. But basically, I'm going to eat what I want to eat. Why? Because this body is not saved. The spirit inside the body is saved. So the body will do what it lacks, what it enjoys, you know. And there's only two divine institutions, and that's the home and, and the church. And if your home is directed by the Lord and your church is directed by the Lord, then you will view things different. Because it's the Spirit that teaches us. You know, you that are in school, you go to school and you search for the answers. And maybe I put everybody in my category, you know. But if you want to uh, uh, 
change, then you've got to look at God's word. And as, as he says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, by grace I always say, through faith, it's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, least any man should boast. Now, as we break down that verse, God said, you know, not of works, least any man should boast. You're not going to be saved because of what you do. You're going to be saved because of what Christ did. And you accepted it. So, a decision is merely an uh, operation of the mind. I went to the refrigerator back there and I had the, the little bottles of water or the, the big bottles of water. I decided I'd take the little bottle. What did I do? I made the decision. I can do that because it is a normally healthy human response. But we were born lost and we will remain lost and you can never make a decision apart from the word of God to make a decision for Christ. Because you'll find out that joining a church, walking down the aisle, if you're saved, you, you should do those things, but they don't save you. I just performed here a couple weeks ago to the wedding of my granddaughter. Well, I, you know, that's, that's good. But a wedding won't make the marriage. A fine honeymoon won't make the marriage. What will make the marriage? When the man and the woman has thought and God led. I don't, I don't ever remember when I was dating to ask the girl that I was going to go out with, are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? I never once did that. Why? Because that's a fleshly move. We're not interested in that. But if you want to be saved and you want to know Jesus Christ as your own Lord and personal Savior, then the Holy Spirit has got to work on you. And the only way that will happen is that you listen to sermons or you read the Bible regularly, study the Bible regularly, and that's just what people have a hard time of doing. Now let's look at James chapter 2 and verse 19. You know, a decision is merely an operation of the mind. There are many who have 
a hid knowledge of the facts about Jesus. But in uh, James chapter 2 and verse 19, you'll see, Thou believest there is one God. I can ask you, do you believe there's one God? But if you follow here in James 2.19, that is up on the board, down here that I can see it, in my Bible so I can see it. It says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou does well. You believe there is a God. That's good thinking. And then he takes the air out of it. The devils also believe and tremble. If you're here and lost, when was the last time you trembled at the fact that if you was to die right now, that you would not go to heaven? So you see, it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance and faith. You know, in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, when we look at Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, God says this, Or despise thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Or it's changed the mind. God you know, if you ever been real sick, you ever went through a serious operation, one of your families have some medical problem, and, and you see how God healed them. That affects us. It causes us to wonder. It causes us to think. Because we need to understand we need to understand Ephesians 2 8, which we quoted a few minutes ago. For by grace are we saved through faith. Through faith. You're not saved through good works, you're saved through faith. Second, Jesus clearly taught that he is the one who made the choice. Now, if you can accept this teaching right here, you're on your way to having a changed life, whether it's today or tomorrow or down the road somewhere. Uh, but God says in John 15 and verse 16, he said, Ye have not, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. You ever heard that song, Brother Steve, I have decided to follow Jesus? Pitiful that we would even sing that in a Baptist church. Because God said, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. To think that 
the God who spoke this world into existence chose you. And if you read the first two chapters of Ephesians, you'll find out that he chose you in him before he created the world. Now, why I bring that out is because he is the reason that I'm living today. And when he decides that limit time, because it is appointed unto man once to die, it's appointed unto man once to be born physically and spiritually, that God is in control of our life. Our responsibility is for preparation. You know. This upcoming weekend, I'm supposed to preach two sermons down in Alabama. So, what is my responsibility? to study and ask the Lord, what would you have me to preach? What is your responsibility? Lord, what would you have me to do today? Because you don't know whether you're going to be living tomorrow. That's not trying to scare anybody. We, you know, because... If we be honest, and as we get, you get my age, you know that people sick at my age died, but people that are healthy at my age died. That's why it's important, and we don't scare the children, we don't scare the teenagers, we don't scare anybody. But if we're going to witness, if we're going to preach, if we're going to be an example, we got to be honest and truthful and quit making people feel good in their sin. But God said in John 15, 16, He have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Now you notice as you read a little further, it said, And ordain you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit shall remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Do you feel sometimes when you pray, God don't hear? Has it ever happened to anybody except me? Well, why? John fifteen sixteen. Come on now. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruits and that your fruits should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We think sometimes because we belong to church, been baptized, had a name on the roll, you know, don't, you know, that's going to get you to glory, and it won't. You've got to be born again. As you're born again, there is difference. Born again. Why do people get a kidney when their kidneys go bad and somebody will donate a kidney? Why do they get a new kidney? The old kidney doesn't work. 
our old thinking won't work. And you know you're saved when you've got a desire to please God, not to preach it. Not your mommy, not your daddy, not anybody else. I want to please God. Now, there are many who claim that one must choose to be saved, and yet the Bible declares that before the world was, God had already chosen us. I like that much better because I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, so, you know, but God does. So we see in the book of Romans, I believe, in chapter 9 and verse 11, 9, 11 of Romans, the Lord said this. Read this verse closely. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. God called me out of this world. In other words, he called me to a state where I don't think the way I used to, I don't do what I used to do. He's called me out of that. He said, but Brother Tony, you're still here. Oh, I'm still here in the flesh. But the inward man is different. If you think different, you act different. You don't do nothing unless you, you think it first, consciously or unconsciously. There is no decision. There is no decision that God has left up to man for salvation is of the Lord. What did Jonah do when he was in the belly of the well three days and three nights? You know what happened to Jonah? The wells spit him out because Jonah couldn't live in that side of that well. A Christian cannot live in the world and go to heaven when they die. God's election, however, has in no wise removed your responsibility to repent, and to believe the gospel. God has not removed that. Only a couple more thoughts. Look with me in Mark chapter 1 and verse... Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. Here in Mark, the first chapter... And the 15th verse, God said, And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Notice what he said. Repent ye, 
and believe the gospel. Repent simply means change of mind, change of heart, change of action. Now, the reason people don't like these type verses and they don't like preachers or Sunday school teachers or mom or dad or whoever cares about somebody enough to tell them the gospel because they like what they're doing. But once you're saved, you realize that he that is in you is stronger than yourself. So as we close, I want you to notice in Acts 17, 30, Acts 17 and verse 30, God says, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Whether you're a child, whether you're an adult, whether you're an older person as I am, God tells me that when I know that I've done something wrong, when I think wrong, when I act wrong, I'm to repent of that. Just like it's my responsibility if I said something to hurt Sister Brenda's feelings and I know it, I find out I did, what is my responsibility? Oh, I tell her to get over it. No, that's what the world does. A Christian will want to go to that person and say, I am sorry. I'm truly sorry. Will you forgive me? How many times have you asked Jesus Christ on any given day, Father, forgive me, for I have not lived the life that you've given me the power to live. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this teaching. We ask all this.